So that'd be good. If you got your Bibles, turn to Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. So last week, we, uh, we looked at lessons that we could learn in a cemetery. We have several lessons. I wrote them back down because I thought they was pretty good. We learned that Jesus has just as much authority over death as he does life. Remember, because he spoke to a dead man, and the dead man heard. Dead, dead people don't hear things, but yet Lazarus heard the voice of Jesus. And so we know that Jesus has as much authority over death as he does life. And there are times that we move the heart of God. We read twice in there where Jesus groaned deep inside. He was moved. So we can move the heart of God just as much as God can move our hearts. Sometimes God allows situations to go from bad to worse so that he shows up and there's no question that he helped, that he was there, he was a part of it. And that was evident in the four days that Lazarus lay dead because on the fourth day, he got stinking a little bit. And so we know that he has the power. And sometimes things go from bad to worse just so when he shows up, we can give him the honor. The Bible teaches us that at some point in our life, we might have the opportunity to entertain angels unaware. Now, that's not what we talked about last week. But over in Hebrews, it tells us that we may be able to entertain angels unaware. And so today, instead of looking at a cemetery and a dead person, we're going to go back to a cemetery, and we're going to look at an angel that was there at a cemetery. And we can learn some lessons from this angel that was at the cemetery. There's some good pointers from that angel in the cemetery uh, Hebrews 13.2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And uh, the, the, the Good Samaritan, I always think about the Good Samaritan when I read that. That ties right into Sunday school this morning. It ties in greatly. You don't know who you're going to encounter. We have no clue. I think that would be a pretty neat experience there. But the angel I want to talk about this morning is the angel that we we might not be entertaining unaware we might have a different one that shows up but not this one this is the one that was at the sepulcher of our resurrected jesus this is the the angel that was there when they came in the young man that was sitting inside the sepulcher in the tomb that's the one we're going to be looking at this morning and the bible records this what i would call an amazing experience for us and it's very detailed even though we don't look at the details like we ought to, we kind of breeze through it at Easter. But there's little things in here that we can pick apart that can be encouraging to us, but there's little things in here that the angel said and did and what God said and did uh, with the, the women there and with Peter that it should move us as well. It's more lessons that we can learn out of this cemetery. So as we go back here to the graveyard today, I want to look at some, some lessons from the empty tomb of Jesus. If you've got your Bible, stand with me. Again, it's Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Mark 16, 1. The Bible says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come to, and anoint him. How about Jesus? And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. I love that, the rising of the sun, you get it, S-O-N. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. 
So it's a heavy rock. And entertaining into the, and entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples, and Peter, remember that part right there, and Peter, that he goeth before you in Galilee, there shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning again, we want to thank you for these life lessons that we're finding in the cemetery. Lord, for these lessons that uh, you have placed before us that uh, just in, in a peculiar place, Lord, just a place that uh, we're not used to looking for things that might be of, of good for us. But Lord, we thank you for last week's message and, and the encouragement there. But Lord, today I pray that as we look at this empty tomb and we look at this one angel and we look at the way that he spoke to the individuals around, the way that he encouraged them, how he can encourage us, how your word will encourage us. And God, I pray today as we look at second chances. Lord, that's a lot of us are on our second chance right now. A lot of us need chance after chance after chance. And Lord, we're thankful that you're a, a God of second and third and fourth and tenth and twentieth chances because we can't make it. Lord, we, we tend to mess up a lot. But Lord, we thank you for being the God that is a loving God and a forgiving God. And thank you for loving and forgiving us all. Lord, I pray that you be with us today. Be with those that are traveling as well. I'll listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Sometimes we're guilty of acting without thinking. Have you ever acted without thinking? I think we can all probably raise our hands. We act sometimes what we call a knee-jerk decision. We act just like that. We don't think about it. We don't think before we speak. We don't think before we act. We just do it. We've got to think. Some of these things you got to think through. There's certain things that you don't have time to think about, but that comes with training. You can go back and look at, at Jerry and his experience in law enforcement. There's split-second decisions that, that he had to, has to make, had to make that you, you're trained for that. So when something does pop up, you know instantly what to do. Same with the fire department and with EMS. There's things that happen that we are trained to recognize and act on immediately. But then, but then, there's things in normal life that we just don't think about. We just say something. We just do something. We've got three women uh, on their way here to the tomb to anoint the not just the body, but the decomposing body of Jesus. They, in their minds, they had thought about what the smell was going to be like. They had bought extra ointments and perfumes and things. They knew that it was going to be kind of rough. So they had thought that far away, or that far ahead. So they knew there was going to be smells. They knew that there was going to be uh, mourning. They knew there was going to be more weeping. They knew there was going to be more questions. But there was one thing that they did not think about. The stone. The stone. How were they going to gain access to Jesus? Three women are going to try to move 
this stone. What you need to understand about this stone is the way that they make these sepulchers in this rock. These rocks, are, they're, of course, they're round, but they're, and they're thick. They're about this thick, about 18 inches thick. And when they build these sepulchers and they hew this out of the, the rock, they put a, a trough, a, a track, down the side of the wall, the outside of the wall, and that big rock sits down in that track. And that track is on a slope so that it's easy for them to roll the rock and close the hole, close the sepulcher. But you can't push it uphill. It's so heavy, so that helps seal it. So if you go back and you read in the Bible, it tells us, wait a minute, I think I might have even put it on here somewhere. Nope. Yep. The Bible says Joseph rolled the stone by himself. The Bible says that. I didn't make this up. The Bible said it. He rolled by himself, and he rolled a great stone, and he, that he is Joseph, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. He laid the body of my Jesus on that table. He put the, the he had the grave clothes on him. He put the napkin over his head, and he walked out the sepulcher, and he pushed that stone down, and he sealed Jesus up in the sepulcher by himself. But it's heavy. Joseph couldn't come back and push it. And you know what happened? To the, uh, the Pharisees and all of them were talking and, and said, well, you know what? He said in three days he's going to rise. So let's go send some guards down there to make sure nobody pushes that stone away. So then they sent a bunch of guards down there to guard the sepulcher. But it didn't matter. It was all taken care of. It didn't matter how many was there guarding it. Jesus was all taken care of. The angel took care of everything. God took care of everything. So these women went down there with the best of intentions. And not, not one person can doubt that. But it's only as they approach the tomb that they have to think about this hurdle, this major hurdle. How are we going to get there? How are we going to get in there to take care of the body? They didn't think it through. Thought about other things, but not gaining access. Sometimes we might find ourselves guilty of having the best of intentions but not being able to finish what we started. I am a prime example of that. You want to amen that? You can. It's okay because I just fessed up in front of the whole church. I will start something and I will not finish it. How long ago was it that we remodeled the bathroom? 11 years ago, I'm still missing, missing one piece of paneling. One little strip right up top. And I, I look, I go in and take a shower, use the bathroom or something. I look up, I got to finish that. And then when I walk out after I wash my hands, I walk out and I'll never think a thing about it after that. Put things off. I have the best of intentions, but I get sidetracked pretty easy. It's usually because we didn't think the whole thing through. I didn't think that... I got a piece of paneling that's eight foot and the ceiling's actually nine foot and now I'm going to have to go get another piece that they probably don't make now after 11 years and try to fix that. Sometimes a church can do that. Churches have the best of intentions. Every church has the best of intentions. We want what's best for the church members, what's best for the community. That's, that's what we do. We have good intentions. We want to make sure that the church grows and strives to, to make disciples and to grow. We, we, we pray for that. We want that. We have the best of intentions as churches. But sometimes we get a little embarrassed because they had the best of intentions and some, something 
about something and it didn't go through. Church plants are a prime example. People get all gung-ho about church plants. Oh, man, I think we need to go out to so-and-so. and they, they don't have but five or six churches in this area. We need to go put another one in there. And so they'll pull their money, take up love offerings, and they'll, they'll, they'll go out and they'll find a place where they can have a church. They can, they can put their name on it, and they can say, this is going to be whatever Baptist church junior. This is going to be an offshoot of our church. It'll be great. But then they can't find a pastor because they didn't think that far ahead. They can't find members because they didn't think that far ahead. Without a pastor, why would anybody want to go to the church? You've got to think ahead. We did that with Scotland. We secured the building before we ever got a pastor. <laughs> so we put a cart before the horse. We finally got the pastor and things were going well. They don't accomplish. A lot of times they, they didn't accomplish what they'd set out to accomplish. Our goal is here but we forgot to look a little bit further down, and sometimes they fail. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Least haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold is begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Mike or Keith or Hunter, you think about people that are building houses. You gotta, you gotta give them an estimate. It's gonna cost this, around this much to build this house, and so they got to make sure that they can secure the funds to build this house. You have to, you can't just, well, I don't know. Some of them probably could just say whatever. It must be nice. Uh, we got a call the other day for a couple that are going to Spain. They wanted us to help plan their Spain trip. I'm like, what's your budget? We ain't got one. That means one of two things. They're loaded or they're broken. They can't go. <laughs> they're loaded. Must be nice. Just We ain't got no budget. Just do whatever. We'll, we'll stay wherever. No less than four-star. That's what we were told. No less than four-star hotels. You got to think it through. Everything we do, we got to think through. Paying bills, purchasing vehicles, buying a house, building a house, whatever we do, we have to think through these because we have the best of intentions. We want to provide for our family. We're trying to provide for the church or whatever it is. We, we have the best of intentions, but sometimes we don't think it all the way through, and we're going to be like this fellow right here trying to build a tower, and he didn't count the cost. you got to count the cost. Secondly, the angel reminds us that our God is a God of multiple chances. Look at, at verse 7. It says, But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him as he said unto you. Now, how many times did Peter mess up before becoming, uh, mess up after becoming a disciple of Jesus? A lot. A lot. Peter, when we studied Peter this year in that uh, 12 ordinary men, Peter, Peter's just, he is us. Peter is just us right now in 2022. That's all there is to it. He messes up. He messed up with Jesus, after Jesus, with Jesus, after Jesus. He was, he's fiery. He just kind of goes and does what he wants to. But he messed up. And denying the Lord three times wasn't his first mess up. Didn't, didn't Peter ask Jesus, hey, is it okay if I come out there on the water with you? Yeah, he asked him. And Jesus said, come. 
He said, come, come on. Come with me. Step on out here. But what did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus. When the winds got boisterous, he took his eyes off Jesus, and he sank. He got a little wet. That was Peter's idea, not Jesus'. I heard a a preacher this week talking about that, and I've never heard it put this way, but he was spot on when he said it. Made a really good point. This was like Peter's prayer request. And I I thought this just was perfect. So when Peter asked Jesus to step out on the water, that would be like us praying to Jesus. And so we have our eyes focused on Jesus. When you pray, when I pray, a lot of times I will see what I think Jesus looks like, or I will see what I think heaven looks like. When I pray, in my mind, I see Jesus. So Peter was kind of praying to Jesus, and then Jesus responded to that prayer. He answered that prayer. But what happened was Jesus, or Peter took his eyes off Peter. Peter took his eyes off Jesus after Jesus answered the prayer. I've done that a lot. Pray to Jesus. Pray, Lord God, help me do this. Get me through this. And I'm focused. I'm, I've got my eyes on Jesus. I know exactly what, what we need. I'm looking at him. And he answers it. And I take my eyes off of him. And I fall. You can't, you can't tell me that's not the everyday Christian. We pray hard to Jesus and we are focused on him. But as soon as he answers that prayer, we take our eyes off of him. And then we sink. We sink. That's just like us. We're good at looking to Jesus when we're asking for something, but quick to take our eyes off of him once he's answered. It's like the blink of an eye. He will grant you that petition. He will answer that prayer. And then you blink and you take your eyes off of him. Didn't Peter see in the wind start sinking because of that? Yeah, he did. So we're just like him. We take our eyes, we'll focus on something bad, and then Jesus will say, Ah, oh, you little faith. Oh, you have little faith. I wonder how many I wonder if he keeps track of how many times he says that to us. We doubt him. We doubt Jesus. I don't know if he keeps a tally of it. But he's probably said that a lot for me. Oh, ye of little faith. Wasn't it Peter who drew his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus when Jesus was arrested? Yeah, he messed up. What did Jesus do? He healed him. Cut his right ear off, and he healed him. He had to restore him. He had to correct Peter and then restore Malchus' ear. Correct Peter. So again, Peter messes up. Peter is just like us. We mess up. By the angel mentioning Peter by name, God was telling Peter that he is gracious with the number of chances he gives us. He is gracious. Chance after chance after chance. Keith was reading the story this morning of the Good Samaritan, and it was plain as day right in front of us. The first person. The priest come through, what did it say? And by chance, a priest came by. And by chance, and by chance, third chance, that, that man, on the third try, the Samaritan came by. 
he got a chance after chance after chance. And then he was taken care of. If God gives multiple chances to us, if he's given me multiple chances, and I know he has, then how many chances should I give my brother or sister in the Lord? We get our guard up, don't we? I've been burnt one too many times. That's what we think. That person, so-and-so has burnt me one too many times. I'm done with them. But if my God gives me multiple chances at something in this life, should we not in return try to be compassionate, try to have mercy on those people that are around us, on those brothers and sisters in Christ that are around us, should we not give them another chance? Think about that one. Number three, God reminds us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us to the finish line. We got a, we've got a cheerleading section in heaven. We've got people, we have angels cheering for us right now. I believe that this verse tells us, over in a, verse 7, it tells us that the angels in heaven saw Peter's denial. They saw it. They knew what was going on. And now they're pulling for Peter's restoration. They're, pull, they're cheering him on. We need cheerleaders. We need backing. We need support. We need moral support. We need people to, to help us get through this restoration. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Luke says over in uh, 15.7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. They're rejoicing, they're watching, and they're, they're cheering us on. There's a story, and I love this story. Billy Graham actually wrote about this, and it was published in one or two of his books, about a missionary and his wife that were in Africa. And this, this couple uh, was in a region where you don't preach, you don't talk about Jesus, and there's a lot of, of uh, tribes there. And so one night, one of the tribes came to the compound where the missionary and his wife were staying, and they, this, this tribe surrounded the compound. And their plan was to murder, murder this man and this woman because they were Christians and they were preaching the gospel and they didn't like it. And so this man and this woman got in the middle of their compound and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they asked God to please protect us, please protect us. And they didn't just pray for about five or ten minutes, they prayed all through the night. And they just continuous prayer and they prayed and they prayed and they got up the next morning after they, they finally said their amen and they, they looked outside and there was no tribe there. The tribe was gone. Had no clue where they got to. A couple years down the road, the, the, the tribal chief came back to the compound by himself. He had been saved. A missionary finally got to the chief, and the chief gave his heart to Jesus. And that chief came in to talk to the missionaries. And the missionary said, Aren't you of the tribe that tried to kill us a few years ago? And that chief said, We was. And the missionary said, why did you leave? 
And that chief said, because of your guards, they scared us. And that missionary said, we don't have any guards. It was just me and my wife here that night. And that chief said, mm-mm, you had over 100 guards surrounding this, this compound. And then it dawned on the missionary who was protecting that compound. Prayer. Prayed. And God sent someone to protect them and to watch over them. If we would keep in mind that we are watched by heaven, wouldn't it seem that we would desire to sin less? Does it? I want you to think about it. I don't think we do. As parents, we can't be everywhere our children are. As much as I want, it, that bothered me yesterday morning. Memory of sitting at home. Well, I didn't leave. I didn't leave the house. Period. Yesterday, I've still got a bed full of trash. I never even went to the dump. I sat in my recliner yesterday till about eleven thirty or so. Eleven, eleven thirty. I was in my pajamas. I sit because I worried yesterday. I had Abby. She don't know this. She was in Pigeon Forge. She went to Dollywood, and I'm watching her on Life 360 going to the left. And then Paisley left yesterday morning with my sister and her family going to the beach. So I watched her on Life 360 going to the right. I can't be everywhere at one time. I'm not omnipresent like God is. I can't send half of myself to be with Abby, which, praise the Lord, I didn't have to go because she said it's hotter than blue blazes down there. I can't send part of myself to be with her and to protect her. And I can't send the other part of myself to the beach, praise the Lord, because I can't stand that either. See, my girls do that to spot me. They go places where they know I won't go. But I can't send the other part of myself to be with Paisley to watch her. Now, Clayton had it covered. Me and him just sat there in the floor and played. It was fine. But God will provide for us. God is watching us. God sees everything that we're doing. As a parent, I can't watch everything that goes on between my three kids at all times. So they get by with a lot of stuff. They're sneaky. They're sneaky. Sneaky kids. These ain't sneaky, are they? I know Ethan's not sneaky. Are you? Yeah, I figured you was. You're too honest. <laughs> They're sneaky. When one parent's not watching, they're sneaky. Keep in mind, when you sin, God's watching. Remember that when you sin, heaven's looking down, and they know what's going on. Heaven, the, the angels, or God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit inside of you, everybody might be blind to what you're doing down here on earth, but you are being watched. You are being watched. Fourth thing, last thing. The women didn't do what they were asked the angel, asked by the angel to do. Again, sounds like parenting, don't it? Youngins don't do what you ask them to do. It gets worse. It gets worse, guys. Just so you know. It gets worse. Verse 7 right here says, this is the angel talking. He says, but go your way, tell his disciples, tell Jesus' disciples, and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him, as he said unto you. Now, the angel said, go tell the disciples, don't forget Peter, go tell them what's going on. Now look at verse 8. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man. One verse, the angel says, go tell them all. The second verse says they were terrified and they didn't say nothing. 
So sometimes we don't do what we're told to do. Sometimes we just don't listen. I don't. Maria will tell you that. I, I don't listen sometimes. She has to get on to me. Listen to me. Kids don't listen. We don't listen. It was Jesus who gave them that second chance. It was Jesus. The angel said, go, do. They didn't, but Jesus. But Jesus. Matthew 28, 8 says, And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his, to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. That's parenting right there. Mama says, Go do something. They don't do it. Then daddy has to have that firm voice. It works, don't it, Abby? Y'all, she nodded yes. Yesterday, I have to, I have to say this because it is hilarious. So Clayton's getting mobile, and he went over to one of the little, little tables there in, in the living room, and what did he find? The outlet. And so Maria's sitting there, and she kept saying, "Clayton, no, Clayton, no," and he turns around and laughs at her. Then he gets into something else, and I'm sitting there, and I said, Clayton, no, sir. And he rolls his lip out and cries. That's the way it works. The angels, Maria is the angel. Yes, she is. Said, go do this, and they didn't. But then Jesus, or the Heavenly Father, says, go do this, and they do this. That's the way it works. I don't know why. I ain't figured that out. I mean, look at it. How do you, how do you, how do you not get mad at that? I mean, she's, look how sweet she is. She don't even get mad. She just, she's an angel most of the time. But they don't listen. You've got to get stern with them. Sometimes God has to get stern with us. He's going to give you another chance, another chance. He's going to ask you once, Chad, go preach. Mm-mm. Ain't doing it. Ain't, ain't going to do it. And then you get miserable, more miserable. And he's saying, Chad, you, you got to go. You got to go. I'm telling you. you got, I'm not asking. I'm telling. You got to go preach. Mm-mm, I'm not going. Chad, I'm telling you for the last time. I don't know if that was really the last time, but you got to go. And finally, I give in and go and surrender. He's a God of multiple chances. Don't test him. Don't test him. We're stubborn, and he knows that. He made us. He knows we're stubborn. But this whole story that we're reading right here about the angel and the sepulcher, this right here is a story about second chances. The resurrection, that's my second chance. Because of the resurrection, I have an opportunity. I have a second chance. I can have a relationship with Jesus. You can too. The angels specifying Peter, that was his second chance. Jesus appearing to the women, that's their second chance. Maybe you need to give somebody another chance. 
This morning, that's how we're going to close out, is I want you to think about someone that you might need to give a second chance to. We may not all have that person. Maybe, maybe you have given them their second chance, and, and I'm, I'm proud of you for that. But maybe somebody's done you wrong, and you've cut them off, and you said, no, I'm done with it. You've burnt me one too many times. Pray about that today. Give them another chance. Give them one more chance and see what happens. Let's pray. Father, this evening as we close out, again, we can't thank you enough. We, we thank you all, often for grace and mercy and love. Sounds, sounds like the prayer we pray almost every Sunday. Lord, we do thank you for those three things. But, Lord, this morning we want to add in a fourth, and we want to say thank you for another chance. Thank you for another opportunity. Lord, for another uh, day where we can forgive somebody. Lord, where we can make amends with that brother or that sister that may have done us wrong. Lord, giving us one more opportunity to be Christ-like, to ask for forgiveness or to be forgiven. God, God, we've all fallen short. Actually, every day we fall short. We thank you for loving us and forgiving us and for giving us one more shot. And I pray today, Lord, if there'd be somebody here that's got that burden on their heart, if there's somebody in their life that, that they just need to give one more chance, Lord, I pray that they would leave this church and they would go do that. Do it today. Do it today, because we're not promised tomorrow. So give them one more chance to go make things right with that person. Lord, I pray again that you would be with us this week as we leave. Be with us as we start our new Bible study this week, as we start looking at the parables. And Lord, I pray that uh, it would glorify you. Lord, I pray that it would just fill our hearts with more and more knowledge. Lord, I love these parables. And I pray, God, that you continue to be in this church, work in this church, grow this church. And I pray, God, that you would keep allowing us to be the light here on the hill. We love you. Father, this morning we praise you and we honor you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. If you can be here Wednesday night, we are. We got plenty of books, and uh, we're going to start the parables. I think they started off Wednesday when I wasn't here, but we'll actually get into the parables this Wednesday. It'll be good, so be here and be with us. We'll see you all Wednesday.